almost cry And by the sadness Oh Lord, I need to die well, I'm going to start this off with an introduction. I'm going now by Atheist Liberal. I used to be known as Agnostic Views on Twitter. And this is an opportunity for me to expound upon what I have talked about in my Twitters about how I think about politics and religion, especially at this time where I think there needs to be more viewpoints and more discussion about what's going on and not so much vitriol and this hatred that goes on. And I'm sure that there's going to be times where I might get a little bit testy or whatnot, but we'll, we'll see what happens with that. I'm also hoping we can try to see if I can get a second person on, on this, especially somebody with an opposing viewpoint. We'll kind of just take things as they go and we'll see how this thing develops. Be patient. This is my first podcast. However, let me give you a little bit of background upon me. I was raised uh, in an agnostic single father family with a one brother. I, however, did go to church. My father did think that was the thing you're supposed to do since he was raised uh, with a very Christian background. And they, for me, as a child, I became a very devout Christian. Um, I read the Bible. I believed in the Bible. I, I believed in everything that they told me. However, at the same time, I also did believe in Santa Claus, the Easter Bunny, that Christopher Columbus discovered America, George Washington had wooden teeth. I mean, there was a lot of things that you're told as a youth, and it's hard to kind of grow out of them, which is great well, as you get older is the fact that you can actually look and explore and read more, and you don't need to be tied to every little thing that was told to you as a child. I was lucky that my father was agnostic because it allowed me to be able to think for myself. And uh, so as I, as I was in high school, I read the Bible and I started having very pondering questions about what it had said to me. Questions about talking snakes and walking on water, turning water to wine and all these mythical ideas that it seems that in the 2000 years since they haven't happened. So to me, I was like, well, why did God take a break for 2,000 years? And then I started learning about, you know, mythology. You learn about Roman mythology, Greek mythology, Egyptian mythology. And I love history. I mean, I, I'm one of those kind of people who I love history. I love science. I, I love a wide variety of subjects. And so I'm always reading about all these different things, and none of them really meshed up so well. And so I started having a problem about the fact that the things and the discoveries that people were finding in science didn't match with what I was learning about on Sunday. So I, I would ask questions. I, I'd be like, you know, well, you know, these scientists, they, they seem to have reasons to believe in Big Bang and, and uh, how the universe was created. And it doesn't quite fit in so well with the, the model suggested by the, the Bible. And of course, the pastors never really give a straight answer. And at that point, I kind of had to realize that there is only one reality. It can only be one of one way. Uh, to give a quick example, none of us know exactly what happened when it came to OJ's wife, but we all have our ideas on what happened. And we, of course, most of us base those ideas on the evidence that has been provided. Now, every single piece of evidence has not been available to us, and we can't actually look at it physically ourselves, but we can get a pretty good idea on what happened there. And I think the one thing we learned after the trial was the fact that a lot of people ignored the evidence and they went with their biases, their own viewpoints upon what they thought the bigger story was. It, it doesn't really matter whether you believe that OJ killed his wife or not. It's not going to change the fact that either he did or did not. And I'm not trying to say whether he did or did not kill his wife. You know, we, we've all got our own choices to make on how we believe in that fact. But it's not even the important part. The important part is you and I don't know what happened. You and I were not there that night when she was murdered. But yet we can make up our own idea, but no matter what we believe will not change the actual events that took place that night. Now we can actually look back though and 
see the evidence that has been portrayed. I mean, somebody did die and they were brutally murdered. And we can look at then look at the evidence. But one thing I look at religion, it would be like coming out and saying that the Yeti flew out and, uh, with wings and this Yeti killed her for whatever reason. It doesn't make any sense and there's real no re there is really no reason to throw such a silly idea into the, the marketplace of ideas. And I guess that's the thing is when it comes to religion and it comes to the marketplace of ideas, they're kind of tainting the pools with odd stories. It would be nice if there was really no harm that comes from this. But you can look in the newspaper almost every other day, if not every day, and you can see that most of the, even the wars that we have today have some element of religion as a part of why they take place. Uh, you still see every once in a while some poor innocent kid dies because his ignorant parents are in a belief structure that, you know, God's going to save my kid or if my if he doesn't, then, you know, that was God's plan. And I just think that's sad. I mean, people are still dying based on these 2,000 plus year old ideas that contradict everything we know about reality. And as I was saying before is there can only be one reality. There is the reality we live in. And if anybody seems to think that they're living in a different reality, those are usually the kind of people that we lock up into a nice little rubber cell and we put a straitjacket upon. And that's the odd thing is we live in a society though where it's okay to, uh, to think psychotic thoughts that you know, there's this invisible guy who wants to rain down doom and gloom on you and that everything that happens to us is some grand test so that way we can prove ourselves. Anyways, so that's kind of like where I stood, where just dealing with trying to understand what the reality that I lived in. I decided... <laughs> Of course, at the time, I still believed in a God, as you do when you're a Christian. And even when, mo what people don't understand is when a person walks away from their faith, it's not like you wake up that day and you're like, oh, I don't believe in this anymore. There's still that part of you that's questioning. And that's why I think a lot of atheists that were Christians, we go through like a little agnostic phase because we're still not ready to give up on that idea that there's this guy up there. But we, we're questioning, we're pondering it, but we start to have that doubt of, well, I don't think that this guy existed and the stories that took place and it really doesn't it doesn't make sense in a logical critical thinking type of rule that we do live in i mean that's the great thing about being a human is the fact that we have this great brain and it's able to ponder and come up with such complex ideas of both creativity and mathematics but yet why would a god give us such a miraculous brain with that is based on the idea of logic i mean all of our thought processes are usually based on the idea of logic and critical thinking. And that's what has made, you know, our societies prosper, but yet give us this whole backstory of floating swords and gardens with talking snakes and, you know, what, whatever have you of these grandiose mythological stories. It just, it doesn't mesh up so well. So I guess, um, I, you know, being in that idea that, you know, there has to be a God, but I'm not sure about Christianity. I, you know, I told him, I said, Hey, look, you know, if this is what it was real, then I'm sure you'll find your way of convincing me so. And then a couple years later after I graduated, uh, well, actually about a year after I graduated high school, I joined the army and I went in the infantry. And uh, in basic training, I met my battle buddy and him and I were of the same viewpoint that we both weren't so sure. And of course, I had already known about the word agnostic, having an agnostic father. And him and I both uh, were agnostic. We decided to take time to go to all the different church sermons of the different types of faiths that were offered to us in basic training. And to us, we both kind of had the same conclusion, though, that it was all pretty much the same thing. It was all the same stories and no real evidence to back up their claims. So after I graduated the basic training and I went in the military, it took me a while and I still was very agnostic. But I would still read up. I would read different books. I would read books from atheists. I would 
read books from pastors, and I would get everybody's different viewpoints. And then I would also read books though about physics and quantum physics, books about archaeology and anthropology, books about real history events, not made-up history events, but actual historical events, things that that have more evidence to back up the claims than people hypothesizing and giving out what you know urban legends. So from there, I started just realizing that there, like I said, there has to be one reality, and I just decided to live in the real reality. Of course, it's odd for me. I live with a uh, with the people that are in my life, my friends, my family. I'd say a good majority of them, though, happen to be Christians. My immediate family, not so much, but more my extended family. And then now I'm actually married. I'm married to a Christian. Uh, her father is actually a Pentecostal pastor. Luckily, I'm very respectful. I don't bring up my viewpoints around them. They are aware that of where I stand. They have this misguided belief that one day God will mysteriously, magically give me the, the knowledge that I need. But if God ever did come, well, let me put it this way. And this is the way I tell them. If God decided to come down one day and had a coffee with me, of course I would believe. I'm about evidence. I'm about facts. And if there was an actual God and he revealed himself, physically revealed himself, of course I'm going to believe it. But putting it into these mythical, magical messages, the way that supposedly, ooh, God works in mysterious ways, that's no different than horoscopes, tea leaves, or whatever mystical, magical way that messages come from the other, you know, the beyond. And it's so open to interpretation that it's ridiculous. I live with a uh, very Christian wife. But luckily, she doesn't preach it to me, and she only gets a mildly mad when I try to discuss religion with her. It gives a good background of my religious background. As far as the politics goes, um, I've always been very interested in politics. I, I had a uh, high school teacher who was, I guess, kind of a hippie, but he was always trying to explain to us, you know, about sit-ins and about social change and stuff like that. And then when I got in the army, being infantry, of course, you start getting that fixation upon guns. This is all during the time of Clinton, so of course, you know, reading things like Soldier of Fortune and books that dealt with guns, you start to have this hatred of Democrats and Bill Clinton and whatnot. But then after I got out of the army, I guess I started thinking wider and thinking that it was there was more than just being able to own guns. And then you also just start seeing the things that guns happen. Um, I had a friend of mine shortly after I got out of the military, he got shot. And um, it was kind of odd, you know, spent a couple years in the military, never really got shot at. Next thing you know, you come home and that's when people start dying from gun wounds. And I guess that kind of just woke me up in the fact that, you know, well, maybe there does need to be some type of regulation with this, but I don't know, you know, there is the second amendment. So I, I guess at that point, I decided to actually start looking into trying to figure out what I do believe as far as politics goes. So through that exploration, you know, like I was able to realize that I wasn't so much right wing. And then I started actually learning about some of the history of what's gone on with a politics, especially in U.S. politics. And you realize that all these things that I heard about Bill Clinton were all faked or whatever, blown out of proportion, hyperbole, to where it was nothing but it really was the right wing conspiracy to to make him look bad. And from there, I had to realize that there was two sides. That's when I st started realizing there was a right wing, there was a left wing, and each side was in a in a battle. And you know, of course, this is after Bill Clinton, things started getting worse as far as politics were concerned. And of course, I do remember the the night that um, George W. Bush was being elected, and that that night we stayed. I stayed up so late, I was so afraid that he was going to win because I knew that night if he won, we'd go back to Iraq. I knew there'd be another war. There was no way around it. Um, looking at his family, looking at his background, 
You just knew that he would find some way of putting us back into that conflict. And I didn't think that was the right thing to do. And I would probably say that's when I really started to find myself as more liberal. And looking into it, looking into what actually paints the, the left and versus the right wing. I mean, there's very little for me to understand in the right wing. I mean, yeah, I understand that that abortions are bad. I do not agree with abortions. But then I look at the liberal argument of how there is a purpose for making them legal. If, if you look at the statistics, in countries where abortions are outlawed, there happens to be more abortions and not to mention more dangerous abortions. So you end up having more death where if it's legal, there tends to be less death and except of course for the uh, potential child. And then of course you get into an ethical dilemma there. The first thing I think that Christians or any religious person needs to understand about atheists is we have morals. I don't need a reward or punishment uh, scenario to play out on whether I'm a good person or not. I don't need to do good things because I want to be rewarded in the next life or I need to stay away from the bad things. I don't want to burn in some mysterious magical hell place. No, I, I realize that this is the one chance I get. This is the one life I get to live. And through this one life, I can make it the best life possible. And to make it a better life, you have to help those around you. If you look into um, cultural anthropology, you understand that you know, you cannot live as one person as an island. You have to have other people. You need to be able to make a really good community prosper so that way you as an individual can prosper. It's almost like in the military, you know, one thing they tell you on the battlefield, you got to have your buddy there. You got to have each other. You know, there is no single soldier. You have a unit. I think that's where like my liberalism started was at that point, more looking at what does the left believe? What does the right believe? And then especially after B Bush won, I started looking at it, this whole Christian right and how like it seems that there really is no, you cannot be a uh, Republican without being a Christian. Look at the, the bills that they're passing. The, when they pass bills such as prayer in school and in God we trust must be on our money. It must be on our Pledge of Allegiance. It must be on our buildings. And you even have people like Gingrich who comes out and says, oh, you cannot trust an atheist. Ignorance that is in that sentiment is just astounding. It just shows that they want this to be a Christian nation. You know, they'll even try to uh, paint pictures of how our forefathers were that oh our forefathers were christians and to the best most of them were probably deist but it doesn't even matter they even said that this shouldn't be a christian nation it's ironic that we live with a constitution and it's the same people that say oh we love our constitution we we live and die by our constitution but they don't ever read the constitution in fact there's a part of the constitution that says there shall be no religious test and yet there's, what, eight states in the United States where you cannot legally hold office if, you're, if you are an atheist. That right there has already broken the Constitution and they have no problem with it. Why? Because they support the Constitution as long as it supports their viewpoints. The parts that don't go along with their viewpoints, it's like science. They'll ignore it. They act like it's not there. It's just, uh, you can go on and on about this ad nauseum. That's kind of where I come from. I just look at things just based on fact. It's the same reason why I'm an atheist. The same reason why I'm more liberal is the fact that I make both my religious and my political viewpoints just based on the facts. Republicans should, could show me a fact that was actually in their favor, then yeah, I would agree with them on something. But I mean, today we live in a, in a state where they tried to paint, you know, the current president, Obama, uh, a socialist, liberal Kenyan. Once a, an individual says he's a Kenyan, okay, well, let's, let's look at the arguments. Let's look at the evidence. Well, there's good enough evidence that he was born in Hawaii. 
Now, if they can actually show me some real evidence that he wasn't born in, in Hawaii, then hey, they, they'd have my ear. Once that the evidence has come out and it's been revealed that he is born in Hawaii, I'm sorry, but everything you say after that point, I'm going to ignore because I already know that you don't keep up on the facts. You know, that's the thing is about facts is that as they are discovered, as they are put out there, you know, it changes. In fact, uh, a year ago, you could have said that drinking wine was good for your heart. Well, today you can't say that. And if somebody comes up to me and says, you know, hey, drinking wine is good for your heart, I'm going to, first of all, I'm going to say, hey, I'm sorry, you're wrong. There's the, the scientist that did that, that stated that it's already been kind of shown that he falsified the, the evidence. Now, you know, in five years, if you're still saying that, I'm going to realize that you, you don't keep up on anything. You don't research anything. I'm still going to want to help you. I, I, I think everybody should strive to become more educated and really research the things that they, that they hold inside their head. But I'm also going to realize that you're, you're kind of behind the, the eight ball. That's kind of, and that's kind of how I guess I feel about when it comes to uh, religion and politics is the fact that most of the people on the other side of where I stand are probably behind the eight ball. And that's only because, I mean, I'm always willing to, to shift my position. And, you know, I know there's a, the term flip-flopper or whatever. I don't think flip-flopping is always a bad thing. I think it just depends upon the motives of why one flip-flops. Uh, I, I, would change, I would change my stance on anything depending upon the evidence, not based on who I want to, to please. And I think that's the, the, the real argument when it comes to flip-flopping in politics is, that it, the argument is that people are flip-flopping because, oh, I want to get these votes, I need to get those votes. And it, I think that's the problem. You should always be willing to say what you think is right and what you know to be true. And, you know, the same does go to same with Christians or, you know, whatever faith, Muslims, Buddhists, Hindus, whatever. You're free to say what you want to say about it. But the problem is when the facts are presented and you're going to ignore the facts because of some, you know, 2,000-year-old book or whatever... That to me just says that you're not actually looking for what the truth is. You just want to spread your gospel. You just want to get more customer base so that way you can get more people in the pews, which means more dollars into your church. And that's not going to work for me. That's not how you get more intelligent. That's not how you find out new and interesting things. And you know, and that I, that's what life really is. It's an exploration and. It's an exploration of discovery, both of what of this great world that we do get a chance to live in. So that's just a, a little introduction. And um, I guess talking about the podcast, this is my first foray into podcasting. I'm not sure how this is going to work out. I, I'm going to try to see if I can put one together uh, every week or every few weeks, depending upon my schedule. I do have a full-time job, and Pretty soon here, I will have a, uh, a little child. I would like to have an opportunity to be able to express my viewpoints on important subjects like these. So if you want to contact me, you can check me out on atheistliberal at gmail.com. Or I have a Twitter, atheist underscore liberal. And of course, the blogger, which I will try to keep somewhat updated, which is atheistliberalviews.blogspot.com. If you have any ideas on what you think I should delve into, things that you think I should correct, fix, help, whatever, hey, just go ahead and give me your, uh, your input, and that'd be great. Thanks.